Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to my favorite work of art with me, Dr. Laura Jane Foley. Each week, I'm joined in the studio by a guest who tells me all about an artwork that means something to them. Today, my guest is Vicky Stone, an award-winning comedian, actress, composer and singer. As a classical musician, she was trained at Wells Cathedral School, the National Youth Music Theatre, Rose Bruford College and the Royal Academy of Music. She has appeared on many national radio and television programmes, as well as sold-out runs at the Edinburgh Festival and on UK tours. She is the presenter of the BBC Proms podcast and is the BBC Proms correspondent for BBC Radio 6 Music. She's also well known for her original comedy songs, including the viral comedy song Philip Schofield, which she performed on ITV's This Morning. In 2016, Vicky wrote Concerto for Comedian and Orchestra, which she performed at the Glastonbury Festival. I'm delighted she's joining me today. Welcome, Vicky. Hello, Laura Jane. So tell me, what is your favourite work of art? Well, when you invited me on the podcast, I was trying to think about what my favourite work of art is. And certainly my favourite artist is Grayson Perry. And I tried to nail it down to one particular artwork and I found that I couldn't, mainly because I think one of the things that I like so much about Grayson Perry and his work is his relationships between his television programmes for Channel 4 and the art that he makes for those programmes. And I think that the television programmes themselves are a work of art. Okay. So, so that, to, that is what so I've So that's what we're chosen. talking about today. Brilliant, <laughs> that's fantastic. So he's recently had a series called Rites of Passage on Channel 4. Yes. So perhaps you can tell our listeners a little bit about that. Well, one of the episodes was about marriage and what are normal rituals about sort of the rituals behind marriage and he's looking at um, he's looking at different cultures and different types of religion and how how marriage how marriage is presented in in society and how things are passed through time and then he helped devise a, a divorce ritual which was really beautiful I, I found myself in absolute floods of tears at the end of it and he'd he'd made uh, he'd made an artwork which the the divorcing couple were to cut in the middle. And then all their friends sewed it back together. It was really, really beautiful. And I, I think that the way that he looks, the way that he dissects culture, I think is, um, I think is, is really important. It makes for lo- really, really amazing TV as well as brilliant art. So was it uh, the flag, a tapestry that was made? So yes. It was, it was made to be split into two. Yes. But then, so what happened? They, they cut it up and then they, who, well, br- who brought it back together? They, they sort of designed the ritual between themselves and Grace and Perry. So there, there isn't a divorce ritual. We don't have any, we don't have anything to, to go by. And they'd gathered all their friends to, uh, to sort of witness, witness their divorce. And yeah, and he'd, he'd made this tapestry 
he bought the scissors along. They didn't know they were going to cut it in two. There was the, the, the two halves of each of their lives re- represented on either side of the tapestry. They cut it up. I thought it was going to end there, that they'd mm. each take half of it yes. away and keep. Yeah. Uh, but actually, to, to give their friends needles and threads to then thread the tapestry back together to make it into one. And it wasn't in a way to get them back together. It was just, you know, here's the two of you. You're, you're, you've still got all your friends. Mm. They're, they're, you know, there's still something here and we're, we're, we're acknowledging the end of it. Um, Absolutely. And I suppose the act of having a ceremony anyway at the end of a relationship, I mean, normally it'll, people want to have nothing to do with the other yeah. half. So the act of coming together and saying, let's mark this in some yeah. way is a healing process and a, a process of reconciliation, I suppose. So that does make sense, I suppose, to... To sort of knit knit that flag yeah, back together. Yeah, to, to knit it back together. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I, I was. I was. I was a mess. Just. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happened to the artwork? I don't actually know. So they didn't. They, they weren't gifted it, or it wasn't. Because I was going to say, who would keep it in yeah, the divorce exactly. settlement? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Who would keep it? I, the program actually didn't didn't deal with it, or maybe it did. Maybe I was just crying too much to notice whether where it went at the end. <laughs> but I suppose that's interesting about how do we reinvent these ceremonies that have been around for so much of our lives, you know, marriage and yeah. birth and death, and how do we reinvent them to to be more relevant to to contemporary life? Yeah, I think so. So through Grayson's various series, um, I think he's done four or five television programs. He's he's just dissecting parts of life, uh, which obviously art is in itself is is looking at art and culture. I I find it I find it interesting that it's it's via the medium of television in itself. Mm. Um, a lot of artists, be whatever form, I've certainly been made to feel guilty as a performer uh, for watching television. So. I I remember maybe 10 years ago now, a group of comedians were sat around at a party and saying, of course, I don't have a TV. I don't watch telly. And what I like about Grayson Perry is that on one of his series, he made a part about um, Rylan from Big Brother Mm. and X Factor. Mm. Absolutely. When people say, do you watch Love Island? My answer is, yes, I watch mm. Love Island. I do watch Love Island. I'm not, I'm not here to pretend that I'm better than it. Yeah. I'm actually, what I'm trying to do is, is write and create comedy and create music that's, that's based, on, based on culture mm. and, and based, on, based on life. And, and life is using Instagram. Life is tweeting pictures of your cat. Mm. Life is, you know, as, as well as these big subjects that Grayson deals with, the fact that they're on telly and they're covering such a such a main... It's just so mainstream. Absolutely. And, and there is that huge dissonance between his work where he uses very traditional uh, methods of making, so the, you know, the sculpture, the uh, ceramics tapestry. And then, as you say, you know, the, 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 the coverings that he uses on the very unconventional, highly contemporary, you know, the, the, the references he has to popular culture, to kitsch. Yeah. He does bring those together in a, in a really exciting way. And, and using television is a really important medium to reaching people. I mean, I'm very interested in the idea of art being for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he's a mainstream artist on mainstream television, yeah. in people's homes, people seeing art in their lives is it's incredibly important. Yeah, the um the I think this the series that he did, I think it was called Who Are You, which was the pots and tapestries that were about uh, a couple with Alzheimer's with Rylan who I mentioned, some deaf parents. He he sort of built artworks based on these subjects that were chosen and they were in the um they were in the National Portrait Gallery and it had record numbers. It's never had it's never had a bigger footfall than when these pots were uh, on display and entirely based on television. How do people find out about things now? 
Absolutely. And, and yeah, fantastic. So there are all those people that might not have ordinarily gone into the National Portrait Gallery are there to look at those works, but then they'll also see other works and discover other things. And, you know, in a time when things like museums are, are, are fighting to keep funding, it's, it's fantastic that such a mainstream media is... It's not dumbing down these things either. It's presenting them in a really interesting, challenging way that makes us look at ourselves, but then also, ta-da, here they are for you to look at at the end. Was that a similar drive? Because I know as well as a comedian, you're a very accomplished musician. Was that one of the drives that you had for doing the concerto for comedian and orchestra? Because, of course, that was on the... At the Glastonbury Festival. What a great way of, of interacting with people. Yeah, one of the things I've tried to do through the, my work at the BBC Proms and also uh, with my um, sort of more contemporary classical writing was, was write works that felt like they were for now. Um, I listen to a lot of contemporary classical music and there's a bit of a snobbery involved if it sounds tuneful, actually. I think most of the best classical music writing is happening in film music where it where it has to be melodic and nowadays contemporary classical music is is deemed brilliant if it's someone banging a disused radiator and they're going me <laughs> and I just I think okay there's a place for that but actually you go back to the beginning of uh, you know the last 100 years the the really big you know, Marler and the really big tunes were the stuff that people wanted to hear. Mm. And nowadays, that's not happening. And I wanted to write a piece of music that felt like a film score, that felt like it was soaring and, and a huge sort of sound. But stick on that comedy, stick, stick on that a, a sort of stand-up story that goes along with the music that feels contemporary, but it's also completely, completely different. Yeah, I, I wanted to sort of drag what I feel classical music is in in into the into the modern contemporary um sort of realm. And how exciting to perform at Glastonbury. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was really good. I'm doing it again in uh, might as well plug it. I'm doing it again <laughs> um in uh, in March uh, twenty nineteen um at King's Place and it's part of a festival of uh, female composers because Still, rather shockingly, uh, 97.8 is the figure. 97.8% of classical music programmed in Europe is by male composers. Goodness me, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and there's plenty, plenty of women writing. Plenty of women writing. So we need more festivals like that. We do. <laughs> so I wonder as well that uh, the, the I wonder if your interest in Grace and Perry is as well is a kind of reflection of your own career. As I mean, Grace and Perry has a very strong autobiographical. Uh, sense running through his work and as a comedian I wonder how much autobiograph- autobiography plays with your work but also as a composer I mean that creative urge how much are you putting of yourself into your work? I I put my whole self into my work and especially with comedy for instance I've just written a new song about what I think female behaviour online is now I think it's my own behaviour plus a few of my friends and I'm taking a huge leap of faith and guessing going I bet lots of other women do the same thing. And as soon as you present it to an audience and you hear the laughter, you go, oh, they do. Um, <laughs> and I think that, I think that obviously, uh, I think Grayson Perry's work is, is extremely similar. He's the sort of person that I feel really good that he's on Twitter. He's tweeting pictures of his cats. He's brilliant at his work and he's not pretending that he's better than watching X Factor. And, and I think there's lots of people in art and culture that, that sort of have, sit on a high horse and go, I, I, don't, I don't want to absorb myself with, with culture. And, and I think that by ignoring Love Island, it's, it, 
by ignoring Big Brother, by ignoring the things that everybody is watching, you don't actually know society, I think. If, if, if things are really popular, if your job is to make art, make comedy, make music that you think is in response to, to real life, I think you have, to, you have to sit there and go, yeah, I'm watching it and I, actually I like it. Or I don't like it, but at least I'm taking part in it. Mm. So do you think his next series should be about uh, social media and about maybe Love Island itself, television? I, I think it's coming. I I'm, I'm, I'm can't seem to write about anything else other than what Instagram, what I believe Instagram is, is doing to women, especially in do, doing, doing to their brains. Uh, I, I, I find that it must have a massive effect on uh, self-esteem and uh, how actually people live their lives. I, I, I think that I think that it's a there, there, there's definitely something to be said and made in terms of comedy, art, music about our relationships between our phones. Because I think, uh, I think people in their perhaps sort of early twenties to mid twenties, women especially, are are just living life to take the pictures rather than taking pictures of their lives. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I find I find it quite fascinating, mm. and I'm I'm certainly trying to make make work that feels that feels like it's representing now. So I, I would I can only imagine that uh, an artist like Grace and Perry is 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 studying the detail of, of very similar um, subjects. Yeah, definitely, and and also I mean, last year he had a, an exhibition at the Serpentine called the most popular art exhibition ever, and he. <laughs> a lot of the works were very Instagrammable. Yeah. So I wonder how much he's engaging with that in his work anyway. Um, what other themes and rites of passage were explored in the series that you've just been uh, watching? Yeah, it, it, it was births, deaths, marriages, all, all the things that we as a, a society have a ritual to, be them religious or not, uh, which I think... Um, it, it's interesting because you feel an ownership over a ceremony and you feel like... It's only humans that invented it, so you are per- you're perfectly able to invent new ones, mm. which is why it was so amazing when the divorce one got invented, because you feel like, oh, God, I couldn't possibly invent a, a ritual, invent a ceremony. But, of course, ceremonies only have been invented by humans. It was you- very funny, because after I'd watched the marriage one, there was in the, in the one about marriage, there was lots of different types of a religion or... Um, or uh, uh, various sort of... Basically, what I'm getting at is that not long after, I went to a humanist wedding, and I'd never been to a humanist wedding before. And it, I, I found myself looking at the ritual of it in a more interesting way because some family members of mine had chosen to not have a, a religious ceremony but to choose to have a humanist ceremony that didn't involve any mention of God. But there was still so much... So much ceremony, and um, uh, more. Actually, in some ways, there was there was more. There was lots of gong banging and things, a passing around of rings so that you warm them and you 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 pass them from hands to hands. And there was it was really interesting seeing the um, the different types of ritual, uh, and some of them made me feel really uncomfortable. So that the, the gong, the man that walked seriously down the aisle, banging a gong around the couple, around their heads, down the aisle, I thought I couldn't have someone bang a gong around my head without bursting into... I, I just couldn't... I couldn't sit there and let someone do that because I don't have the personality. <laughs> I don't have the personality to go, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy the, the ritual of this because mm. I, I, I can't. It makes my eyes roll. It makes me go... Oh, it's, it's like going to a, a Catholic funeral and watching the wafting of the various things. I just, I just, I can't. Um, 
it, yeah, just for some reason it makes me laugh mm. that, that humans have decided that this is a good thing to do at that moment. Mm. I, th- <laughs> I, I thought it was very interesting in, in one of the ones that I watched, which was about death. Yeah. And uh, he visited a couple whose son had died and they had built a shrine to him. Uh, and he uh, went away, Grace and Perry went away and created an artwork, a shrine, a, yeah. an actual uh, little icon of the, of the sun. And I thought, how beautiful. And they, and they took great comfort in that, in that it was something to focus on mm. as being this relic, as being yep. something that had an almost magical, uh, you know, talismanic quality to it. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, that, it's the power of art as well. Because yeah. obviously they, they'd made this, this shrine themselves with the photographs and clothing and, and whatnot. But he'd created a, a work of art and they were so touched and it was so important to them. This, this, the importance of art and I just wondered what's the importance of art in your life do you have something in your life that you you, you really love or that you, you had so special to you that has special meaning to you I have lots of different things on my walls um, I like to try and design when I have to design my own posters and stuff I try and make them as interesting as possible which I think sometimes when you're when you're creating a show and you're creating something to go with it you you want to you want to almost try and create uh, something a bit arty. So my my poster for my concerto, I decided to have myself with a clown face, um, and and something that uh, yeah, something that feels feels like it's oh that that looks interesting, um, which I like. I've also got a, a big wall of um, of uh, photo booth pictures capturing moments, mm. and they're not online. They're they're physical. And they're just on a notice board, and it's just lots of it's lots of different moments, yeah. Uh, which I which I I like I, I I like I like things to feel quite personal. And then there's the things that you keep. I keep lots of things like a, if I filmed a TV show, I've kept the the backstage pass from that, and I've got them on a on a notice board or some various things like that in in little frames. And then some of those things will involve former partners. And I watched a, a Daniel Kitson show talking about that, about the little things that you put into frames on your on your walls. And once that thing has passed or that thing doesn't have the same meaning anymore, you don't quite know what to do with it. Mm. I have a picture that my uh, former partner had commissioned for me uh, of our our dog. And we had two dogs, and I had one, and he took another dog in the breakup. But I've still got the picture that he commissioned for me of the dog that I no longer have. I couldn't put it on my wall. No. It's not on my wall. So where do you have it? Uh, it, it Back it's, of your wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's in a cupboard. Yeah. And it's a really weird thing because it's a really nice picture. And it was given to me out of love in a time when things were different. But to have it on the wall in a house with a, someone else, with a new partner... It's a really odd thing, but it's still a mm. piece of art that has meaning, and I'm not going to bin it, and I'm not going to give it away. But it, so the, the, it's, it's a you know, so my relationship with that that piece of art is um, troubled. It's, it's, yeah, it's, tra- <laughs> it's troubled, and I don't know why I just can't have it on my wall because I don't want to think about it because no. it does. It me, I like things to have meaning. I have very few pieces of uh, either photographs or whatever uh, in my house that are meaningless. I, I hate. I hate. Uh, things that you just buy I, I can't abide all that sort of home is love things that you'll get from uh, uh, Ikea or, or whatever I, I, I'm i sure people can make their houses look marvellous like that but I I can't have just meaningless stuff phrases things so yeah everything oh, feels like it's um, got a point lovely thanks so much for coming in Vicky my pleasure thanks for having me 
Today, we were talking about the contemporary artist Grayson Perry, who was born in 1960. Perry is best known for his ceramic vases, tapestries and his cross-dressing alter ego, Claire. He won the Turner Prize in 2003 and has had many national and international solo exhibitions, including at the Serpentine Gallery, the British Museum and the Barbican Centre. As a broadcaster, Perry has presented a large number of documentaries for Channel 4, exploring topics as diverse as identity, taste, masculinity and Brexit. Grayson Perry was elected as a Royal Academician in 2011, and in 2018, Perry co-curated the Royal Academy of Arts' 250th Summer Exhibition. Reflecting Perry's work and interests, the exhibition was colourful, and many of the artworks had a political and provocative tone. If you would like to carry on the conversation further, you can find me on Twitter, at Laura Jane Foley. And if you want to discuss a show, please use the hashtag, my favourite work of art. The show was recorded at Wisebudder in London. The title music is Blue from Colours by Dimitri Scarlatto. I hope you'll be able to join me next time. Goodbye. your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.